Chapter Forty of Kit and Kitty by Richard Doddridge Blackmore. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Forty, Job's Comfort. I did not want any pot of money, and even if I had been filled with that general desire, Henderson's suggestion would have no charm for me. But I resolved to do a much wiser thing: to stick to my work, with head and hands, and let the heart come after them if it could, as it grew wiser. The police had made nothing of my case, although they had done their best, no doubt. Whoever had compassed my wife's departure, for I could not call it flight, had managed it with much craft and luck, according to the ancient proverb, and shown a kinsman's love for craft. The lane at the back of our lonely cottage was little frequented except on Sundays, and then in the evening only for that study of mutual tastes and feelings which is known as keeping company, for this was a popular resort, and therefore, as usual, called Love Lane, by blushing youth and maiden. At other times its chief use was to give access to some meadow-land, and its chief wayfarers were four cows, a donkey, and a nanny-goat belonging to Farmer Osborne. But it wound into diverse other lanes, towards Hampton, Tangley Park, and Bedfont, and through some of them to Feltham Station, on the London and south-western line. It was one of the places where I had made first inquiry, but Sergeant Biggs had been before me, and so he had at Twickenham, and in fact he had sought far and near, and been put upon false scents sometimes, but had hit on nothing genuine." Whatever any man may say or even think or dream of, the opinions of his fellow men go into his mind and work there. No one is certain what he believes, or at any rate how he believes it, and the harder he toils to establish his faith, the more apt he is to undermine it. His best plan is never to argue about whatever he longs to trust in, or if his good friends will not let him alone, he should choose for his disputant the skeptic. This will build him up a good deal, not because he has convinced the other man, but because he knows that he must have done so if the other had been gifted with reason. And now I was more convinced than ever by the firm convictions of my uncle and Sam that they both were quite wrong, and that I was quite right. If they had only said that there might be some mistake, something that admitted of a simple explanation and with patience on our part must receive it, in that case the chances are that they should have been doubtful whether they had any grounds for putting it in that way. But when they came and put it, without asking my opinion, in the very opposite way to that, and the opposite one to what I wanted to believe, their conclusion was a springboard to send me heels over head to the counter one. My good Aunt Parslow had been over twice and held very long talks with Uncle Corney, but I had simply refused to take part in them, to go into all the pros and cons and hear one say this and the other say that, all assuming in the calmest manner that they knew at least ten times as much about my poor self and my richer self as both of us together knew in our most conscientious moments. Grateful as I was, I offered them that view of gratitude which alone can make a slow shot at her fleeting speed, the instantaneous process. In the twenty-four millionth part of a moment, all her legs have spurned the wind, and the fool who thought to chronicle her finds her dust upon his glass. Therein I was not just or fair, and have lived to be ashamed of it, but up to this present time of search 
I have not come across the man who continued to be just and fair while the wrong that went to the bottom of his soul was fresh and hot and turbid. Such men there may be of vast philosophy or profound religion, but I have never met them yet, and if I do, I shall be afraid of them. Thus I waited day by day, slowly quitting hold of hope, hardening myself to do without her by incessant work of hand. In this I took no pride or pleasure, as a mill finds none in perpetual grind, but from morning twilight till evening dusk I laboured among the lonely trees. My uncle begged me to go to London, if only for a little change and stir, as the strawberry season came, and he began to use his stand again. But I felt myself unfit for this, and knew that in my present vein I should only do a mischief to him among his ancient customers for a happy face and a cheerful spirit do best among the buyers, and a bit of chaff or a turn of slang will sometimes help a lame market through. I knew a man once, a mere carter he was, who had never been near common garden before, but was sent up by a neighboring grower as a last resource when a salesman fell ill. A mere bumpkin he was, and he wore a smock-frock and cord trousers tied below the knee but his round merry face and broad country brogue and native simplicity and twinkling eyes took the humor of the crowd and he sold out all his lot at top prices by looking as fresh as his fruit before anybody else had got rid of a dozen well if you won't go up you won't my uncle said to me one day but you will break down going on like this i like a young fellow to work but i can't abide for him to do nothing else and never think twice of his vittles and you are spoiling your own chance altogether in another and a very important affair. Your Aunt Parslow took a great fancy to you, and she meant to come down handsome when she dies. She told me that almost in so many words, and now you are setting her quite against you. You know how you behaved the last time she came over. I could not endure her perpetual talk. You can't say that I was rude to her, but I don't want her money. What good is it to me? I wish she had never given us a farthing. It is nasty rubbish to talk like that, Kit, and every one will turn against you. You used to have such a lot of common sense. Well, perhaps you were not exactly rude to her, or at least you did not mean to be. But there is nothing ruder, as women look at it, than to let them have all the talk to themselves, although they insist upon it if you don't. You must not interrupt them, of course, but still you must say enough to show that you are listening, and that you think highly of what they are saying, though of course you knew it all before they began. Instead of that, what did you do? You crossed your legs. Women never like that when they are talking to you any more than a lapdog who wants to jump up. I don't know why it is, but they never can bear it. And you did worse than that. The clock struck five, and you began to count it. You young fellows never behave well, the ladies. I am sure I did not mean to offend her, uncle. I never thought twice of what I was doing. Exactly, and you should have thought of nothing else, while you seemed to think only of what she was saying. But I want you to do me a favor, Kit. I suppose you don't wish to offend me, too? Certainly not, because you are reasonable and have always been so good to me. I will do anything to oblige you, Uncle Corny and by doing it you will oblige yourself. You are wearing your fingers to the bone, and all the flesh off your other bones, by this confounded stubbornness. I hate to hear the tap of your hammer almost as much as I used to like it. 
now just take old spanker to-morrow afternoon and drive over to your aunt's at leatherhead with a basket of strawberries i promised her she doesn't know what a good strawberry is eleven people out of a dozen don't any more than a babe that just opens his mouth she has plenty of her own i know but none worth the trouble of eating to-morrow will be saturday you can stop till monday and it will do you a lot of good and set you up again almost there is nothing like a woman in a case like yours you let her talk on and you never contradict her and she says to herself well i have done him good and so she has not the way she meant it but by making you think that they are all alike and not a bit of solid sense among them and it is not only that but you are pleased to think how much better you know things than they do though you don't say one word to their fifty whenever i am bothered or cheated or insulted i get a nice woman to talk to me and it is as good as a pipe of the best bird's eye which you can have at the same time if you know how to do it you seem to look at things for your own advantage only i answered because i thought these views low however i will do as you wish and sunday is a dreadful day for me here without any work i thought last sunday would never end and not being a woman i could not come and comfort you i was pleased with this rap at him because i could not see what business he had with nice women and so on whether they came to his house to talk with him or whether he went to have his pipe at theirs as he had almost let out by his last words for there never was a woman who could stop him of a pipe in his own house that was certain but that he should talk of my being stubborn amused me every time i thought of it verily if i had a splinter of that substance in me he was the oak from which it came and he might have spared enough to roof a church without anybody asking how he was now he wrote to my aunt that i was coming according to her proposal and he made tabby tapscott come up to the cottage and pack up a few things for me inasmuch as i had no one now to do it and he had his best strawberries picked in the morning before the sun margarined them and kept in a cold place till i was ready and then packed so that no heat could get at them and as spanker had not been to london for three days he was sure to strike out at a merry pace when he found himself free of the country for i never saw a horse that liked to go to london any more than a man loves a cemetery spanker was as gay as may as soon as he knew where he was going and he roused up each hill with a rush from the other which showed a deep sense of mechanics nobody would have believed his age even if he had told it truly which he had strong human reason for not attempting having found his teeth filed quite early what with the brisk air of those hills and the soft turn of the valleys and the gaiety of the time of year a quantity of heaviness went from me and a vein of health flowed in not that i ever said to myself as people of inconstant nature do there are better fish in the sea etc or if she be not fair to me or even so much as care killed the cat my mood was neither independent nor defiant and i felt as respectful towards women as ever it was only that more hope came inside me from seeing so much in the world outside and perhaps more faith in the lord because he was doing his best so largely however i never thought twice about that and must claim no credit for it aunt parsloe was not very gracious at first though she could not find fault with the strawberries she pretended that she had some quite as good though she declared herself to be most grateful but as soon as i said send for some of your own that will be the true proof of the pudding aunt 
she discovered that her own were not quite at their best just now and in fact they had been so good that the slugs and the blackbirds could not resist them this showed very little self-command on their part for there was not a good fruit among them as i found out on sunday the beds being a mixture of some twenty kinds growing in great tussocks and for the most part barren which was just as well i let my aunt have her own way as a man should let all women do except those of his own household and by and by she became more pleasant especially when she had discovered as she did at dinner-time that my present state of health required a bottle of her dry champagne being compelled myself i thought it just to use coercion too and had the satisfaction soon of finding her much more ladylike her coldness towards me passed away and when we had clinked our glasses twice we resumed our proper footing you don't fill up she said more than once and i found the same fault with her and when that error had been removed we could enter into one another's feelings the great thing you want is nourishment she said when i had made a noble dinner people in the present age never attach sufficient importance to that point they indulge too much in stimulants no more kit no more or at the outside only half fill your own for you require it while they scarcely allow themselves time to take the proper amount of substance through a very old and deeply respected friend of our family in the city a man of the loftiest principles i am enabled to get the real turtle at half price and it has been instrumental under providence in the restoration of your health i have sent him a telegram and to-morrow although it is a sabbath day we shall find a tin here when we return from church it is better than groves or any that you see in the windows going down cheapside a turtle should never be allowed to sprawl about barbarously in the sun it is against his nature and it does him harm he becomes demoralized and loses firmness they say that we all spring from turtles now but i cannot believe it for cannibalism is never nice and turtle is what a turtle your uncle cornelius would have made i am glad that you find him so nice i replied but he would always have tasted of tobacco well we must allow for one another and there is no accounting for taste jupiter likes turtle but the other dogs won't touch it i had a dog once who would eat cigars if he found a stump in the road it was quite as good as a bone to him but he did not live very long poor fellow now let them take away the things and when you have had your glass of port come to see me in the drawing-room don't hurry because i mean to have my nap as yet she had never mentioned kitty's name which surprised me not a little but i thought it likely that she was still rather sore at my behaviour for when she had come to see us lately it had been more than i could bear to listen calmly while everybody offered any sort of guess just as they might discuss a case of abduction in the papers or the theft of a female dog who answered to the name of kitty End of chapter forty